welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. So I heard a pastor share a story once about a friend of theirs who had, uh, whose kid uh, loved swimming. So they signed them up for swimming, and the kid is actually very, really talented at swimming, does really well, so they start going to, to swim meets, and like, hey, we're going to swim meet, and um, the kid does not do very well in the meet, like does not swim as, as fast as they normally do. And the parents are like, just trying to be supportive, like, okay, it's fine, whatever, Time goes on, the kid keeps practicing, and is really fast in practice and really slow in the swim meets, like consistently. And finally, the parents are like, we, we want to support you, honey. Like, you're doing great. It's okay that you're not doing well in the swim meets, but this time, like this next meet, we really want you to, to do your best and try and win and like try and be first. And the kid goes, it's a race? Then why do they call them swim meets? The kid thought they were like just a fun get-together to meet other swimmers and did not realize that the purpose of a swim meet was a competition. Um, and I love that story because it illustrates perfectly this point that we're going to start things off with today. That how accurately you understand something determines how appropriately you, you respond to it. Right? If you don't understand something accurately, you're going to respond not appropriately to it. If you think a swim meet's about meeting people, you're going to respond in a certain way, right? And um, that is just true. That's a true principle in life, period. But today I want to talk about an aspect of the Christian faith that that applies to, and something related to our comfort zone and how I believe if you are a follower of Jesus, God wants you to get out of that. That's what we've been talking about in this series. So if you've been with us, uh, this is our final Sunday in this series of Comfort Zones. And if you haven't been following along, you're welcome to go back on YouTube and watch past messages, or we have a church podcast where you can listen to just the message if you want. Um, but we've been talking about this principle that, um, that basically you can have comfort or you can have growth, but you can't have both. That if you want to grow, growing always involves change of some kind, and just as human beings, the way it works is we're uncomfortable with change. We like the way things are, how things feel. And so this isn't easy for any of us. Now, to be clear, we're not talking about discomfort for discomfort's sake. It's not like it's spiritual to be uncomfortable. It's just that we believe that God is calling all of us to grow. Uh, Jesus said, invited people to follow him, to learn from him in order to become like him. And so that means for all of us, again, if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you are not 100% like him yet, there's more things for you to learn, more things for you to change. And that will mean discomfort. And so we want to lean into that discomfort, even though not fun. Uh, we want to get to the growth on the other side of that. And today I want to talk about the principle related to discomfort associated with not just being a learner or a student or a disciple, 
but related to doing your part to help others learn, to pass on what you're learning with others. And that's an uncomfortable thing, but it's an important part of what it means to follow Jesus. And so if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to look at several different passages, but the main one is the first one. It's in Matthew chapter 10. And while you're turning there, I'll I'll give you some background. Matthew chapter 10 is um, Jesus commissioning his 12 apostles. So Jesus had a bigger group of disciples, and then he had his 12 apostles. And the 12 apostles were the one whom he really entrusted his mission going forward after his resurrection. And the time he spent the most um, developing and investing in. And there were some of his first followers who were trying to learn from him. Um, and in Matthew chapter 10, it's interesting because Jesus is, we're going to see him send those disciples out. He's going to commission them and give them a job to do. And it's important to remember that this is before Jesus' death and resurrection. So it's like they're in the middle of this training program with Jesus. Jesus is their rabbi, their, their teacher. And all of a sudden, he stops teaching them and makes them do something. So here's what Matthew records, who is one of these followers of Jesus. So this is a firsthand account from him. Uh, Summoning his 12 disciples, Jesus gave them authority. It's a key word here. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. So pause. This sounds really amazing to us who are not used to seeing these kinds of things. But if you think about what Jesus did when he went around different towns teaching and preaching, this is exactly what he was doing, right? If you read through the gospel accounts, Jesus was teaching um, and preaching and driving out demons and healing people. And so he's commissioning them to do what he himself has been doing. And then Matthew gives us the name of the 12 apostles. These are the names. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. That's the one who's writing this account. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. A little bit of foreshadowing there. And then Jesus takes these 12 and he sends them out. Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles. And don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, dry out Hey, does that work? All right. Wonderful. I thought it would like start going in and out, but it just totally stopped. All right. Wonderful. Okay. Um, Reset. Okay. Uh, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, and the implication is freely you received from me, now freely give. That's another key idea. 
to them. Freely you receive, freely give. Uh, now, a lot of times when people read this passage, they get stuck on this little phrase at the start when, when Jesus says, don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles. Don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to, go to uh, the lost sheep of Israel. That's kind of weird to us. But remember, at this stage in Jesus' ministry, it's following the pattern that Paul later elaborated and explained in the book of Romans, where he says, the gospel is the good news of salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And at this point in the, in the message being spread, we're at the first to the Jew stage in this thing. Now, there's good reasons for this, but just suffice it to say that when you fast forward to after Jesus' death and resurrection, something significantly changes. As we're going to see in Matthew 28, Jesus' instructions change. And he says, now go everywhere. Go to people of all nations, right? And make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. But at this stage of the process, they just Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Do what I have been doing, my disciples, and go and do this. Now, there's some fascinating things about this. What's fascinating to me as someone who spends a lot of time planning what to say and how to say it so that it connects and you understand it and know how to apply it, here's a person on the challenge to me. If I think, who's better at teaching, Luke, you or Jesus? <laughs> yeah, okay, Jesus is way better. I want to learn from him. And Jesus right now is training his disciples. And he gets to the point where he knows at this point, not time to talk more and teach more. It's time for them to get out and do stuff because there's some things you can only learn through doing an action. Jesus is still training his disciples, but he's doing it through sending them out. And I think... This offers uh, one of the first challenges to us in the church community because sometimes we just think it's all about like almost lecture style or, or mental understanding. But when we read through the Gospels, it becomes really clear that Jesus wants followers where our whole lives are surrendered to him. And there's stuff we have to do in this journey, not just stuff to learn, but stuff to do. And some things can only be learned by doing or it can at least be internalized. Um, this is kind of the, the, the pyramid of learning. Many of you have seen something like this before, and this is not exact numbers. It's estimated that after about two weeks, you remember 10% of what you read, 20% of what you heard, 30% of what you see, 50% of what you hear and see, 70% of what you discuss with others, which is partly why we're always pushing connection groups, right? Come and talk about what you're learning. It's important. 80% of what we experience personally. So you put it into practice, you experience a higher level. And then I love this last one, 90% of what we teach to others. And what is Jesus, the best teacher, doing to his disciples? He's sending them out and having them experience things firsthand, yes, but also teaching others. It's almost like some of us I've come to church expecting it's going to be like a college lecture or classroom. And Jesus says, no, this is like a trade school. Right? You walk in thinking you're going to get a lecture on welding and someone hands you a torch. Right? And that's what this is supposed to be about. Is that comfortable? No. It's a lot more uncomfortable doing stuff than just hearing about stuff. But this is... 
This is the invitation for all of us and the challenge Jesus offers. I want to share with you that text that I kind of anticipated a moment ago where Jesus, after his death, after his resurrection, now expands the mission. Now it's not just go to the lost sheep of Israel, but go everywhere. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, and to the same group, to his followers, he said, all authority, again, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus has now at this point won the victory over sin and death and evil. And now he says, you, my disciples, you've been trained enough. You've got enough hands-on training. And I'm going to send my spirit, and I want you to go and do for others what I've done for you. You've been discipled. Now go disciple others. Pass on what you have heard and learned. And this is very much in line with what Paul writes. So last text, and then we're going to put some things together. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's language for being, uh, choosing to follow Jesus, for entrusting yourself to him. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. This is so amazing to me, because I look at Jesus, I'm like, amazing, I want to learn from you, I want to understand you, and I wish you were like still around today so I could follow you. And Jesus turns around and says, I want you and you and you and you to carry on my work in the world. But that's what Paul says. You are ambassadors for Christ. Think of what we have today like in ambassadors in a political state, uh, in a political sense, right, who go to other countries to represent our country to that country. And how does that work if you're an ambassador? What you say is like the country speaking in a way. It's like the U.S. government speaking through a person. It's an incredible responsibility. I'm, I'm glad I'm not an ambassador for the U.S. And yet, every follower of Jesus has an even greater responsibility. That everywhere we go, everyone we speak to, we are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. That's what Paul is saying. Short way of saying this is that if you have been reconciled to God, you are a reconciler for God. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, then your calling, quite simply, is to help others follow Jesus. And so, why I gave you several texts of Scripture is because I really wanted you to see this clearly. Because if you just pause for a moment and think about our world and our culture and the kind of the ideas that are in the air. All of us are steeped in an environment that says faith and spirituality, philosophy, all these things are, at the end of the day, about you. What will you get out of it? How are you progressing? Did you like the message? Did you like the music? This is just the culture we're steeped in that says, 
Spirituality, your faith is all about you. And yet, when you looked at every single one of these texts, what does it say? It's about the world and God's mission for the entire world, which includes you because you're part of this world. But at the end of the day, it's not just about you. It's about the world and God inviting you and inviting me to take part in that mission, which is, again, uncomfortable. And today I want to invite you into the discomfort to stop making your faith all about you. But at the end of the day, it's not just about you. It's about the world. Best image I can think of to illustrate this is that the moment you follow Jesus, it's like you receive this Christian team jersey. And unfortunately, when some people receive that jersey, they're like, I know what to do with this. I do this. I put it on and cheer on the team that's on the field. And God's like, no, 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 no. This is who you are. Some of us here, and again, it's not your fault because this is just the culture you're steeped in. Like, oh, I got this new identity and now my job is just to cheer on the team that's doing the work of ministry. No, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're on the team and we need you on the field. And sometimes we can just slip into this thinking of like, oh, you know, like, the team played okay. They did okay. But that's not the question at the end of the day. The question is, are, are you on the field? Are you playing? Are you helping move the ball down the field? This is what you've been invited to, to step onto the field, to step off of the sideline. Followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. There's a mission that God is doing in the world, and he invites us who follow him to take part in that mission. I've been trying to say it more often that our mission is to help people take their next step with Jesus. And I actually was challenged. Uh, I used to say, helping you take your next step with Jesus. And I was challenged at a, at a leadership conference I went to to be careful about your language and to clarify what you mean. And I actually changed it to this, helping people take their next step with Jesus. Let me explain why. If our mission is to help you take your next step with Jesus, what are we about? Or about you. But our mission is not about you. Again, it's about the world. So we want to help people take their next step with Jesus. And it's about us helping people. And so if you consider yourself part of that we, if this is your church home, then we together are helping people take their next step with Jesus. So yes, we all have a next step to take. We want you to take that. But also the invitation is to look around. Where are other people in my connection group at with Jesus? Where are other people at who are here on Sunday morning? Where are they at with Jesus? And how can I help them take their next step with him? Again, followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. And it's so amazing when you get this straight because I've met some Christians who've been Christians for a long time and they just kind of feel stuck in their faith. And they're like, well, I've been reading my Bible and praying. I listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books. I just feel like I'm not growing in my faith. 
And it's like, yeah, you're not on the field. Get on the field. You're going to grow like crazy, right? I was just um, talking to someone who's been praying for a friend who's not a Christian, and um, this person had an opportunity. This, this person they've been praying for actually started reaching out and said, I have some questions about God. I don't want to get into a debate. I want to have a dialogue. And they're so excited. And now this friend is asking them questions. And it's interesting because a lot of the questions we've talked about at church before, but now this person's like, ooh, that's a good question. I need to figure it out. And I just know that this person, in trying to answer their friend's questions, is going to learn at such a deeper level than they would if it was just, oh, I want to learn about these things just because, right? It's when we go and teach others that we're challenged, that we learn more, that we go deeper. So many of you know, uh, a bunch of us from Creekside got to go to Jordan and Israel. Uh, we just got back a few, few days ago, Thursday afternoon. Most of us are still waking up at 2 a.m. because that's apparently the time to wake up. I don't know why that is. Um, but we had a really great time, and I want to thank you for your prayers. Um, some of you got to watch some video from uh, us last week as well. Um, so this is the group that came from our church. We went with some other church groups as well, but this is the group from our church. We had a really great time. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time today talking about it, but I want to show you this picture so you know um, who the members of this trip were. Like, any of us would love it if you say, hey, what were some of the top experiences or places or how did your faith get challenged or grow during this time? And and any of them would love to share that with you. And a number of you have been asking that, hey, are we going to do this again? Um, The plan is yes. Uh, This is something we hope to do every three to four years. So... Start saving now. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but if you were like, oh man, I missed out. I- I'd love to do this. Um, we love to provide that opportunity. Uh, probably every three years is, is the hope. And so start thinking about that now. Start saving up now. And, and hey, students, you too. Um, a lot of the people who went basically said, I wish I'd gone when I was younger. So save up now and go while you're younger. Uh, we ended our trip on the Dead Sea the last couple of days. We were on the Dead Sea on the Jordan side. This actually a really nice hotel, the nicest hotel I think I've ever stayed in. And so you can see uh, that's the Dead Sea in the background there. And um, sorry for those of you who came on the trip. I'm going to share some embarrassing photos. If you didn't want me to share those, you shouldn't have come with me. Just kidding. <laughs> so this is uh, Deanna and Phil floating in the Dead Sea. They're not sitting on the ground. That's just how you float. Um, because the Dead Sea... Rivers flow into it. It's 1,400 feet below sea level. The rivers flow into it. The River Jordan flows into it, and it brings all the minerals with it and all this salts, especially, and other minerals. And so the, the water's super salinated, and you are very buoyant. Not only that, because of all those chemicals, uh, it's very uh, good for you cosmetically. So we all got mudded up with Dead Sea mud and rubbed it all over ourselves. Some good exfoliation going on there. It was great. And I actually, I, I re- this is like testimony time, all right? I really feel like I have less wrinkles now on my face. It's amazing. <laughs> Janelle's like, are you going to buy some, some, some facial stuff now? I was like, mm, no, not worth it. <laughs> but if, if I happen to be there, I will definitely mud up again. Uh, so the Dead Sea, uh, amazing place. And actually, this is, this is something else we saw on our trip. This is the oldest map of the Holy Land in existence dated to around the 4th century. It's a mosaic 
And parts of it have been lost, like you see the edges, like it used to be a full map. But what you see there, you guys see the boat and the body of water? That's a picture of the Dead Sea. And I don't know if you can make this out, but there are fish on the left side. There are fish going down the River Jordan. And if you look at it, they're swimming this way towards the Dead Sea. And they have one fish that turned around and is running away from the Dead Sea. Do you guys see that? And it's kind of this fun thing, but this artistic way of saying, you know, fish don't go into the Dead Sea. They run away from it um, because it is the Dead Sea. Nothing can survive in it. It has that name for a reason. And so even with all the health benefits of the Dead Sea and all the fun stuff about floating in it, um, nothing can survive in its waters. I had these weird moments when we were floating out there. Um, whenever I float in water of any kind, I have this weird thing where I think about fish biting my toes. And I get worried about that. And I kept having this double take where I was floating in, like, ooh, are there any fish around? And I was like, no, there are definitely not any fish around. <laughs> they cannot survive here. Nothing can survive in the Dead Sea. And here's what uh, I bring all of this up. Waters flow into the Dead Sea. Nothing flows out of it. And as a result of that, the waters get toxic. And that's what makes it dead because nothing flows out of it. Flows into it, doesn't flow out of it. And I think that's a good analogy for the Christian faith and how, unfortunately, it can get corrupted. You say, I just want to receive, I want to get, I want to get, I want to get. You can do that, but over time, your faith will become toxic. It won't be life-giving the way it's supposed to be. On the other hand, rivers and most freshwater lakes. What Has water coming in? Yes, that's an important part. Has water coming in, but it also has water going out. And healthy followers of Jesus should have good stuff coming in. Yes, come and learn and study and pray and read your Bible. Yes, yes, yes. But also things need to come out of you and flow into others. Otherwise, again, it becomes toxic. So again, followers of Jesus... Help others follow Jesus. We all need to be looking around for those uh, we're close to. Saying, How can I help you? Not just what did I get out of it, but what did you get out of it? How can I help you? Again, it's not simply about what you receive, but what you are able to share with others. And so I want to encourage you. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, you know, you'll hear a message and be like, yeah, I already knew all that. I feel the same way. I listen to several podcasts during the week. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I already know about it. I encourage you, if that's what happens, that's, that's okay. But then turn that around. Like, is there someone else that needs to hear some of this? Who might that be? And how can I pass this on to them? So how do we apply this? How do we make our faith not just about us, not become toxic? I'm going to share with you three simple ideas. Uh, one idea is I think everyone can do and it can be challenging and encouraging. Well, something Jake suggested to talk about today, and I love this idea, is to simply share with others how God is challenging and changing you. This actually does several things at once. It's kind of a form of accountability and honesty and vulnerability for you. But just imagine what would happen to the people around you or, or in your family or with your spouse even. If just every once in a while you're like, hey, Janelle, I feel like God's working on me with prayer, and um, 
I just don't pray the way I want to and as often as I want to. And so I'm going to start um, keeping note cards and keeping them in my journal and, and working through those every morning. What does that do? Again, it makes you an open book, but it also encourages others. Think about, oh, am I praying the way I want to? Was God maybe challenging me in prayer? Share with others how God is challenging you, how God is changing you, the things you're learning, the things you're applying from Scripture. Share those with others. It might be that that person really needs to hear that. The second point is don't discount your service. As I was preparing this message, there was a large group of people that I really was worried would mishear this. And what I mean is this. At, at Creekside, if you look around, we have an amazing group of people who volunteer regularly and help out in so many ways. There's so many of you who do so much. And not only that, but some of you don't serve here, but you serve in other places, and you act as the body of Christ out there. And I don't want you to hear kind of a simplistic, do more, do more, do more. That's not the point. In fact, some of you need to just catch a vision that like when you're in the nursery watching those kids, you're letting God pour through you. And that is important and good and needed. And good job and keep going. Because the dangerous language I hear sometimes is I'm just a volunteer. I just help with the kids. I'm just a greeter. And I just want to say, we don't have any just volunteers here. Okay? That's not how this works. Right? If you are serving in some way, you are serving, and that is good, and you need to elevate that and realize how good that is, that you're willing to let stuff flow into you and then flow through you and, and out of you and into others. And that's a good thing. Don't discount that. You're not just a volunteer. You're doing ministry, and thank you. And final point is just to pray for and look for opportunities for challenge and invitation. And I want to put just our next steps up here on the slide. Um, we've talked about these before. These are kind of the this discipleship pathway, if you will. If you think about helping people take their next step with Jesus, kind of the natural way for this to work is that people start with exploring. They have lots of questions and doubts. And they need to find answers to those. And if you're here today and that's the place you're at, I'm so glad you're here today. And I hope you're hearing some answers. And at some point, they're ready to commit, to choose to follow Jesus, to be baptized. The next is worship, what we're doing right now, Sunday morning gathering for praise and prayer and learning together. And we connect. Those are our connection groups. Some of those meet on Sunday morning. Some of them meet during the week. We will learn together. Like we have classes and seminars and IQ church. We serve like we're gearing up to do in just a few weeks. Or you serve on Sunday mornings, or some of you serve outside the four walls of the church. Um, some of you don't just serve in ministries, but you actually lead different ministries, again, here at Creekside or other places. And then the last step, multiply, is not an individual thing. It's actually a church thing, that, that eventually we would love to be a church that plants other churches, um, that not everything is just about us, but about um, going out and multiplying our God's impact in the world. But here's the point. These are not just your next steps. They're the person sitting next to you. It's maybe their next step too. Or your, or your neighbor who doesn't come to church at all. 
And I want to challenge you and encourage you to be thinking about, for especially people who you're close to, what is this person's next step? They've never been to church before? Probably their next step is to explore. And then pray for that. God, would you help so-and-so begin to wrestle with the big questions of life, the faith? Is there a purpose? Is there a creator? Why is all of us here? And would you give me opportunities to talk to them about that? Maybe their next step is worship. Pray for opportunities to invite them to church in a casual way. And pray that they would accept that invitation. Does that make sense? So yes, you take your next step with Jesus, but also followers of Jesus help others follow Jesus. So look around and look for ways to invite others forward in their faith. The last thing I want to say related to all of this is that it's so good when you get to experience this. And I know so many of you have experienced doing this for others. And the closest thing I can link it up to is like um, being a parent and watching your kids grow, right? There's something magical about seeing your kids take their first steps or eat their first bites of solid food, right? All of us parents, we take videos of it and post it. And people are nice and comment on it, but no one cares that much, really. Like, wow, <laughs> they ate food. I did that five minutes ago. Great, right? But for you as a parent, it's like, wow, you're growing, right? And you're invested. And it feels actually similar when you pray for someone. Some of you have been praying for people for years. But when you pray for someone, that they would find Jesus, and God opens a way, and they do. It's like, yes, you want to throw a party, which is totally biblical, right? That's what God does when someone chooses to follow Jesus. Or when you see them start coming to a group for the first time and sharing honestly and vulnerably, it's like, yes, there's stuff going on there. And you celebrate those victories. And it's so good. And I want us together to be the kind of church that works for that, that has eyes out, not just for me and it's all about me, it's all about me, no, 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 but for the world and for the people around us and celebrate seeing others grow in their faith too. Let's become that kind of church together. And related to all of that, um, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the perfect time to invite someone to church, to invite a friend or a neighbor to church who doesn't normally come. It's a perfect time for you to join us if you're here today. I know today has been really heavy on talking to Christians, but if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a Christian and you are in that explore phase, um, come back next week. Um, I'm gonna give you some really cool stuff about the resurrection of Jesus and some of the historical evidence for it. And I, I think it's gonna be practical and enlightening to you. But would you consider inviting someone to take those first steps by simply inviting them to church. Let me say a word of prayer for us, and then we're going to respond in a commissioning song where we together say, God, would you send me out? I'm not just going to be a receiver. I'm going to be a giver and give what, from what I have been given, right? So let's pray together.
And uh, worship team, you can come on back up. Jesus, I thank you for how much you've given to each of us individually, how you've walked with us. And for those of us who have chosen to follow you, how, how your spirit has just kept nudging us to the, take that next step over and over again, even when we kind of do it kicking and screaming. Thank you for your patience with each of us. And God, would you help us together and each of us individually to work against, I say like the, the spirit of this age, this, this cultural idea that faith is all about us and it's all about me. And would you open our eyes to see the needs of those around us? Would you give us a heart for them? Help us to start praying for them to take their next steps with you too and look for ways to challenge them and invite them and encourage them to do that. God, thank you that you want to work through us. It, it truly is amazing and humbling. None of us feel like we're worthy of that, and yet you call each of us to do that. Would you help us be faithful? Would you give us the right words to say and the courage to say them when those moments come up? God, would you send us out? In your name we pray. Amen.